Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello and welcome to a day of prayer. Thank you for joining us for morning. Thank you for joining us for morning Bible study. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We just bless you and we magnify your name, Jesus. We recognize that you are the God of all creation, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there is nothing too hard for you. And there's nothing that compares to you. No one who compares to you, Lord God. We thank you for opening doors that no one can shut, Lord God. And we just okay. praise you, Jesus, because you are the most high God okay. and you're more than enough. We thank you, Lord, for your ministering spirits working on our behalf and carrying out the things that you've already commanded, Lord. We bless you. We give you honor and praise. Let the listeners hear your voice today. Let them hear your word and understand you in a more deep and intimate way, Lord God. Thank you for being intentional with us, for it being intentional about how you minister to us and how you keep us from all hurt, harm, and danger, Lord God. We just cast our cares on you, and we recognize that you and your grace is sufficient for us. You're enough, Jesus. You're enough to solve our problems. You're enough to save our families. You're enough to keep the things we commit to you and that you're able to do so and willing to do so, Lord. Let your word become alive to us. Quicken it to us, Holy Spirit. And we just glorify you and we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name, amen. Amen. All right, so today we're beginning 1 Samuel chapter 15. So who would like to volunteer to read the first 11 verses? All right, Layla. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, and how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telahim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. 
And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. What did, what did everybody take away from all that? There's a lot in there. And this goes back generations. I want to know what everyone else understood first. How, how do you understand the significance of this task that the Lord gave Saul? was establishing Israel like he mentioned that they attacked them on their way from Egypt when they weren't prepared and they had the Lord but they weren't ready to fight anybody really they were on the run so they took advantage of them in like a moment of weakness but now they're they have a kingdom established and they have the soldiers and everything they need to fight so now, like, it just seems like the Lord was establishing them. And okay, was part of so when the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt, uh, Exodus seventeen, it's, uh, starting in verse eight, talks about how Amalek came and fought against Israel, uh, and that's where, if uh, for those that don't know, there was the battle against. Amalekites, mm -hmm. where Moses had to have his, the rod above his head, and every time that the rod remained above his head, and he was holding it up, that Israel was winning the battle, gaining the victory. Mm -hmm. And then whenever his hands got weak and he dropped them, that Israel would lose, it was starting losing. And he got help, and in that, um, the Lord honored his word, he blessed them, and defeated the Amalekites for them. But the Lord says this in verse 14 and 15, right? This is after they got the, the victory, right? Joshua was down at the front lines while Moses was up on the hill holding the rod. Uh, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called it its name, The Lord is My Banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. There's a lot in there. The Lord had said, other places, that don't do anything with, with Amalek. The sin is not yet full yet. Mm -hmm. Right? But clearly there, there comes a time where, as we've discussed here, sin reaches its fullness. Sin, when it reaches its fullness, when sin reaches its fullness, it produces death. So the Lord already purposed, hey, he already knew what was going to happen. And he purposed, hey, when it reaches its fullness, we're going to blot them out. But the Lord already knows everything. So how can you blot someone out but then have war with them from generation to generation? So he already knew what was going to happen with Saul. Now he had told Saul, hey, we're going to wipe them out. You're going to eliminate this group of people that has come up, that has attacked, that living a sinful life, obviously. Mm -hmm. However, Saul chose not to do that. Um, and that's not the only time that you see 
Lord discuss uh, the Amalekites. Actually, Balaam prophesied against Amalek and the Amalekites in Numbers 24. Um, actually, he mentions both the groups in here, the Kenites and the Amalekites um, in Numbers. But, um, oh, and he says Amalek was first among the nations, but shall be last until he perishes. Um, so that's what's said about the Amalekites. So this is a, like I said, it's a generational thing. This has gone on for some time. And the Lord had given the, the command to Saul, or his, his chosen, the person he chose, excuse me, to be king. And Saul chose to be disobedient, to not listen to the Lord. And he started off doing what the Lord said to do. But in verse 9, you see a change. Um, actually, in verse 8. Took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, utterly destroyed all the people. But then it says that he spared Agag and the best of these things. Here's the key. And were unwilling, uh, so all the things that were good. And then were unwilling to destroy them. Only what he despised as utter, uh, or only what he despised as worthless. Those are the only things that were utterly destroyed. You can't put your own spin on the things that the Lord commands. It's whatever the Lord says. Whatever he says is of value. Whatever he says of is, is of importance. That's what we must follow. We can't put our own human perspective on things. Say, oh, well, no, this is good. and So we should hold on to this. The Lord knows what's good. He knows what's best. Our job, if we are his people and he is our God, he is who we have chosen to to home ourselves, to submit to, and to to be like, right? And, and we're to be conformed to the image of his son, right? So if we are to, in that sense, be like God, exhibit his character, his nature, there is a, the aspect of we need to be obedient in everything that he, he inquires or tells us to do. That he asks us to do, regardless of if we understand it fully or not. We can't put our again. We can't put our own perspective on things, and say, "Oh, well, I'm doing it." But it is only out of 100% obedience to every detail that the Lord gives us to do. Yes. Anyone else? Want to have anything else you want to say or share? Or? I'm kind of curious why Saul let the Kenites go. Well, there's two ways to look at it. Um, the Lord didn't say anything about the Kenites, but you can look at this, and clearly the, the Kenites had settled in the land of Israel in certain places. They had settled and mixed in with the Amalekites. Mm -hmm. Or didn't say destroy the Kenites. It was very specific. The Amalekites. So there was the opportunity for them to, to depart, right? Or be swept up in with everything that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
You think they shouldn't have gotten away? No, <laughs> I just mean that if typically when people, two different groups of people settle together, they give their daughters in marriage so there's peace in the land. So that means they would have intermingled with the Amalekites and it wouldn't have just been the Kenites anymore. They would have been a mixed breed of people. Not necessarily. As you see throughout that uh, we already talked about with Benjamin, right? It was, hey, we're not going to give our our daughters to, to this tribe. And they were people of Israel. Yes. So if that's with, I'll say, their own people, right, if you will, lack of a better way to phrase it, right, it all came from the same lineage. If they refused to do that then, how much more so do you think that would happen with people that didn't come from the same lineage? Yeah, there's, there's times where peoples live in the same yep. land, but they don't intermingle. They keep very much so to themselves, yes. aside from, you know, like even they do business or whatever, and they don't intermingle with one another. So that that's happened frequently. Like the Lord has had to throughout time flat out, point blank, very plainly tell people, the children of Israel, when Jeremiah especially, now when you go into captivity, inter intermarry. Give your daughters in marriage and take, you know, their children in marriage, right? So why? Because clearly that's against the nature of how they, they normally act, if you will. Mm -hmm. yes. So the Lord had to very pointedly tell them, no, do this. Seek the prosperity of those around you, even in captivity. So you can think of in, in modern times when you go to one country, but then you see a version called some another town or, you know what I mean, within, it's still within the land of the peoples, but this is where they go to mingle and they call it, like if they've had a um, an immigration or something of that nature, they've moved from their hometown, their, their place of origin to another land or peoples, they still go to that land, but they call it, this is our country town, you know, you can fill in the blank with whatever country it is. Um, and you've seen that throughout the world. And people go, okay, we want to move, but we don't necessarily want to adapt the culture that we're going to. We want to keep our culture. We just want to move to a new location. Uh -huh. So that happens. Anyone else? Mm -hmm. What did everybody, uh, or how did everybody interpret or get out of Samuel's response when the Lord talked to him or spoke with him? Dad, do you mean like when he was crying out to the Lord all night? Yep. Why, did, why do you think it bothered him? Or what actually bothered him? Well, I think he was concerned about the people, and it was the exact same thing the Lord told him before, before they were giving a king, that he's going to do this and do that. And it seemed like everything that they... He warned them about they didn't pay heed to and was against them. Hmm. Okay, anybody else? You can also see that there has been a relationship established between the two, like in the first chapters. Okay. Like, so when somebody's. When, when something's happening to somebody else, you are sad for them, but yeah, 
I don't get too sad if it's not me. Oh, dang. <laughs> wow. Thanks a lot. Wow. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you feel sorry for them, but. No, but not really. Okay. Uh, that's not right. Well, well, no, I mean, if you get like a spanking. <laughs> okay. So um, discipline, I get it. Uh, okay. But this is it's a little more severe than, than some discipline there, sir. Oh, yes, I was just talking about So, But you can see that he had a relationship built up, so it troubled him that Saul, he had thought of Saul one way when he first met. I think it troubled him that he turned out to be really like this in the in, on the inside. He was no longer following the Lord. Hmm. Well, that, that goes for any, uh, I'll say, parent and uh, child relationship. Not that Samuel was Saul's parent, but he said he was going to teach him and train him, right? He was constantly giving input, giving guidance, pouring into Saul, right? Yes. And then Saul chose to reject what was being poured in. Even though it was known what Samuel was pouring in was directly from the Lord, Saul still had to choose to, to walk in that. I mean, you brought up discipline, sir. Why do you think that occurs? Yeah. Typically, when, well, in this case, you guys, what happened in my life as well, when I chose not to be obedient or to walk in the ways which my parents or for you, that we have instructed you for this house, right? Yes. We will serve the Lord. So when, when there's actions and behaviors that aren't in line with that, it's, it is sad. It's disheartening, if you will. I don't mean, like, can't move, excuse me, can't move on or can't move forward. But there's disappointment that occurs. Now, in this case, Samuel knew the severity. Because, well, earlier chapters, the Lord already said he'd rejected him as king. He'd appointed, him, appointed someone else to be the commander. Right? Someone else that had a heart after the Lord. So it was already stated very plainly that, you know, the Lord knew Saul's heart. And now everyone else knew Saul's heart, too. Although you could have discerned that through the Holy Spirit, giving, um, giving that revelation of knowledge uh, about Saul, his, his heart, his condition towards the Lord. And it's also what's displayed in the actions. Right, in Saul's actions. Yes. Okay. But the, there's a whole, uh, I'll say, for lack of a better way to phrase it, different level of severity here. In other words, that also happens with discipline too, right? Discipline starts off as a conversation. Hey, get things in line. Get it together. Humble yourself. Repent. Right? Come back in alignment. Not with us, but with the Lord. And then, if you choose not to, well, you might have another conversation. You might go to something else, right? You lose out on something, right? Something gets taken away, whatever the case is. So, there, there's a, I'll say, a progression. You see that happening here. The Lord already spoken with Saul through Samuel. And 
That's, a, that's discipline. Here's your opportunity. Get it together. Come back in alignment. All right? Yes. But uh, Saul chose not to listen. So now, it's a whole different level of severity in and, and the discipline. Want to say something, honey? Um, yes. Two things. One, that when the Lord was talking about him here, that he's turned back from following me, it wasn't just the instruction that Samuel gave. God spoke to Saul himself. Absolutely. We know that when he first was chosen to be king, when he was looking for the donkeys, and the word that came after that said that the Spirit of the Lord came on Saul, right? And he began to prophesy. So... We know that God's character and his nature is to go to the person first. Directly, yes. He, he ministers to us first, and then when we won't listen, he sends somebody else um, in, in that vein. Now, there are times where we need um, confirmation or encouragement, and he'll gladly bring that along for us in a variety of ways that he selects to do that. But oftentimes, it's the body of Christ where we're designed to edify one another. But when it comes to points of correction and instruction, he comes to talk to us first. Absolutely. He comes directly to us first because how can you hold someone accountable? Like what if Samuel took a long time getting there? Why Why was it that it was expected that Saul already knew what to do, how he should act and behave and carry himself? He already knew that because God had put it in his heart, but he chose to override it and go with the fear and what was, he said, I felt compelled, the driving fear behind him. He listened to the enemy mm-hmm. versus standing on what God said. So know that. God comes to you first. By the time we come and say, hey, what are you doing? Each of you knows the Holy Spirit has already told you multiple times, hey, son, hey, daughter, don't go that way. Hey, do this instead. You right? and your siblings. You guys, can I, you know that in your personal life. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So God doesn't have a special way of, you know, Kyla gets a set of rules, Charles gets a set of rules, I get a set of rules, Dad gets a set. No, God is who he is. Does he minister to us uniquely how we understand him yes but his core does not change he hasn't he doesn't change his character so i know that he came to saul independently first and said hey son wait don't go that way don't go that way he ministered to his inward man and saul chose to override it because then that would mean the only time that saul heard from god was if samuel came and talked to him so you can't have much accountability with that, right? They didn't even live in the same town. <laughs> so there's not much accountability that can be had. So it has to be there's something more. Well, there's the other aspect, too. The Lord doesn't violate his own words his own himself. Absolutely. And with that, Paul writes about how to address uh, brothers and sisters in error. He says, if you see your brother in error, what? Go to him. Well, why should we have to go to him? That's because they've chosen not to listen to the Holy Spirit themselves for, or for themselves. So then someone else has to get sent. And then it says if they don't listen, then bring a friend. And if they still refuse to listen, or still refuse to turn from their, their error, their way, their sin, then bring it before the elders of the church. Well, the Lord came to, clearly went to Saul first, but he definitely came to Samuel because, as you just pointed out, Saul wasn't listening. However... It was more like I said, or like we were, we pointed out yesterday. Samuel was the judge of Israel, 
before he, uh, as the Lord instructed him, anointed Saul as king. So it's already at a, a higher level. You can't have it both ways, where Saul is there prophesying and doing all these things because he hears the Lord for himself. The Holy Spirit is on him and ministering to him. But yet he's still rejecting and refusing to be obedient to the Lord. So the Lord sends his servant to kind of set the tone, as it were, discipline. But um, it just goes along with the Lord's character and nature. He does this for all of us, mm-hmm. each and every one of us. It's not about us acting in the natural and, hey, you're in, you're in sin and you're in error. I've got to correct you. No, because that's still going things from a human perspective. We're to say what the Lord says to say and do what he says to do. So if he doesn't send you, then, you know, hey, don't go. However, if, when he does, then you should go. Right? We tell the same thing with you guys, especially you. Right? So if you see your, your brother or sister doing something that's not right, let them know. Because right? you get that conviction as well. That's not right. Right? We tell you, help them out. Say something. Don't listen. Well, there's four of you. Grab another one. Go to, go to your brother or sister again, right? If they still won't listen, then definitely bring it to our attention. However, what usually happens? Oh, it's the Holy Spirit has already ministered it to us. And then we're coming to look for you. Right? We're sent to you to help you sort things out. So you see that same thing played out here, right? Yes. Okay. I I think it's significant the amount of responsibility that Samuel feels in this yes. situation. Um, I think it's even just beyond him going, I'm concerned for the people, but probably as a, a person that hears from the Lord and is a mouthpiece for him, you know, we should all hear from the Lord, Amen. but who, who God sends on missions and journeys, you know, um, I've had the Lord speak a word, you know, through me. And then the person's like, mm, and goes the total opposite way yeah. in that feeling of God, no, why did I, you know, like the, the range of emotions that, that you feel, or one that I imagine Samuel would feel like responsibility for Sam going awry or for Saul going awry and did I hear it all the way? You know, I'm sure he could question a, a myriad of things. But at the end of the day, no matter how great the plan God has for someone else's life, that he ministers and verifies or confirms through you, that you can see um, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, you can see these things happening for that another person. It still, at the end of the day, boils down to what is their choice. Exactly. What is their will? God can roll out the red carpet for you. He can say and promise you and you know, guarantee you all these things and yet and still people can refuse that and reject it and depart from him. I mean salvation, look at that. He he rolled that red carpet out for every human in creation. But yet there are some that look at it, look at Jesus and go the opposite way and reject what God has for them. So you have to grab a hold of the plan of God for yourself. You have to will to do his good pleasure. Mm-hmm. You have to allow the Lord. He'll work that in you. The Bible tells us that he works in us both the will and to do his good pleasure. He will do those things, but you have to will. You have to 
agree. You mm-hmm. have to cooperate. You have to maintain fellowship and continue on that path. So your role, you have, you have a role and a responsibility mm-hmm. as well. It's not just, Lord, do everything for me. He's already done it, mm-hmm. but you still have to participate. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so let's go on. Okay, yes. Okay. Um, so we're starting in verse 12. Let's read through. Um, that's a lot. Um, I guess let's read through 31. Okay. Um. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gigal. Then Samuel went went to Saul, and and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? And the lowering of the oxen, which I hear. Lowing of oxen. Lowing. Mm-hmm. And Saul said, They have brought them from the, Amalek, the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet. I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amaleks, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil on the side of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. And I brought back Agag, king of of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gagal. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. Then Samuel said to, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me, that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and tore it. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the, strength of the, also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. 
Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and will return with me, that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Okay. Let everybody get on to that. You also, what I got, like in verse 24, when he's, Saul was saying that he feared the people, I think he was, yes, maybe the spoil, but not a gag, because it said he took him captive. And you can see he's like trying to blame the people for what happened, trying to, I'd say, trying to make it where the Lord relents and allows him to be king still, hmm. like where the punishment isn't as severe. Mm -hmm. um, I found that a bit interesting. It, okay, how so? Because it's like he, he's the one who's made all the choices about kinging, keeping a gag alive and stuff like that. And then he tries to pawn it off on the people saying, it's their fault. Mm-hmm. And, and saying, okay, Lord, I did what I was told to, but they did not. Spare me. Punish them. Isn't that human nature? Or the sin nature? Yes. Find anyone or anything else to blame, but not look at yourself? It's the opposite of how the Lord tells us to do, right? Judge yourselves. Search yourselves, right? Yes. What did David... I'm constantly in the Psalms. Search me, O oh Lord. Try me. Right? Yes. And remove any unclean thing from within me. Anything that doesn't reflect the Lord's nature, His character, in our lives. Mm -hmm. Not looking for blame. Or looking to cast blame anywhere or on anything else. A very different... Uh, I'll say heart, but also mindset. Mm -hmm. I feel so much pity yes. for Saul. I just, you know, previously when I've read through the scriptures, um, in particular when it talks about Saul, I kind of had a hard disposition, like, well, you should have did what God told you to do, and, you know, like, you're bad. Um, which he should have done what God told him to do. Absolutely. Um, so there's no excuse for that. But I, I see his humanity. And the thing about God is, he is who he said he is. And yes, mm -hmm. while he understands our frame, he also knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. And he is not fooled by outward appearances. He's not fooled by words. He's not fooled by emotions. He's mm -hmm. not fooled by anything. And even though he knows what Saul will do and ultimately become, he knew this before the foundation of the world, he knew who Saul was. Um, he did not take away his opportunity. He gave him a chance to be something more, to be better than he was. He gave him a chance to choose life. He's, he didn't take that choice away from him because if the choice is taken, it's not a choice anymore, right? Yes. So even when he knows people will not do right, he still gives them a choice. He still gives them the opportunity to 
prevail, the opportunity to choose God, the opportunity to avoid, because it is a choice. We are not made wicked. And what I mean by that is there's nobody that God creates that doesn't have a choice about living a sinful life or not. You have a choice. You absolutely have a choice. It's a matter of what will you choose? What things do you allow to come in and sway your heart and to either cloud your mind or to conform it to the image of Christ? That's why it's important that we set a watch. We guard our gates, the things that come in, because it will twist. Either it will confirm God in our eyes or it will push us away from him. So the, the people that we keep company with, the things that we watch, the things that we listen to, who we listen to, what is it that we put our affection on? What do we set our minds and our hearts on to do? God told Joshua to meditate on the word day and night and not let it depart from his eyes. Not turn to the left or to the right. Because then he would have good success. And what is good success? He will walk closely with the Lord. He'll follow after him and choose God's ways versus choosing the ways of the natural and the flesh. I, I, I believe as I'm reading this now that Saul got his eyes on the kingdom, his kingdom, being establishing his own kingdom. And that's what caused him to go away from Jesus, to mm -hmm. go away from following after the Lord. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. God clearly warned them in Deuteronomy. He said, when you get into these nice places, when you get in the cities and the houses that you didn't build that are filled with all things that you didn't even fill it with, don't forget the Lord. Don't forget him lest you say, I have done this with my hands. I have gotten this for myself. Yep. And you forget him and turn away from him. Saul, in, in verse, is that verse 12, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed, he set up a monument for himself. Exactly. And he has gone around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. So he's trying to establish his own dominion, his own authority, when God is the one that builds God is, unless the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. He was the one that um, established Saul as king. He's the one that gave it to him, and he was the only one that could sustain it. All Saul had to do was be obedient. That's all he had to do. Just do what God said and keep trusting him. Not go, thanks, God. Now I'm going to do it. Now with my hands, my strength, I'm going to get this for myself. Mm -hmm. And you see what destruction it brought into his own life and what it invited into his family and you know god had to rescue jonathan in the, the previous chapter from the way that saul's mind was starting to work when anytime god was going hey saul saul come here stay close to me come here i want you i love you follow me it's okay i can do this i've got it the bible says about sarah and Abraham, but Sarah in particular. Do you remember when the Lord came to her, the angel of the Lord, who was, who was Jesus, came to her and said, you're going to have a son around this time, et cetera, et cetera, and was talking to Abraham, and she was ear hustling, Kyla. She was being nosy in the corner. No, I <laughs> she was being nosy, and she laughed, and then that brought God's attention to her. Yep. Why did you laugh? And she was like, uh, I didn't laugh. <laughs> well, he's got he's got the the hearing that beats he all hearing. All, yes. <laughs> he's got the eyes that are everywhere. You know, he's God. And he said, "But you did laugh." But later, and when we read about her in Hebrews, this says that she 
believed that she called him faithful who promised. So she got over the laughing part and was like, oh, you meant that. So at some point in herself, when she had a choice, she could have been like, no, no, I refuse. It's too late. I'm too old and kept rehearsing and harping on her, her body. And that. she could have resisted God. But she said, nope, I think you're faithful, God. She counted him faithful who okay. promised her he was able to do exactly what he said he would. And then we know, because we see the children of Israel today, that she, and we have the word, of course, she conceived. She, by faith, was able to overcome something so complicated. So Saul could have believed God faithful. Like, Lord, you're able to do this. I didn't even have it in my mind to think about being king or even know that we're supposed to have a king. Like, I didn't even conceive that. Why now shall I try to take it, what was begun in the spirit? Why am I going to try to finish it out and in perfect it in my flesh? He could have done that. That was, that was his choice to make. But he said, no, I'm going to be afraid. I'm going to snatch this, and I'm going to do it on my own. So here's a caution for you. If fear starts to arise, panic, worry, those are not the things of God. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's not evidence that the Holy Spirit is ministering to you. Right. It's quite the contrary. Fear, worry, doubt, unbelief don't come from God. So stop, cast that out, and get back on the word. God, what did you say to me? Read the word. Get back in the word. Lord, I trust you. Confess it with your mouth. Believe that. I trust you, Lord. I don't care what wind is blowing. I don't care what other people are saying. I don't care what pressure is arising. That pressure, that feeling compelled, we talked about that, that being driven, that pressure to act mm -hmm. and do something. Just do something. I don't care what it is. Just do something or do things against the Lord. Don't listen to that. Don't heed it. Get back. What did you say to me, Lord? And stand on that. Holy Spirit, help me, because he will always come through. He will always help you. Absolutely. It's also interesting. The one thing that Saul wanted, the, the, the core of it, was to be seen as great, to be honored amongst the people. Twice, just in verse 25 and in verse 30, he asked for the same thing from Samuel. Return with me. All right? Return with me and, um, how's it, where does he say it? It says, I've sinned, I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord. Pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. In verse 30, he says, I've sinned, yet honor me now. Before the elders, or please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. The second one makes it more clear. It wasn't about worshiping the Lord. Because actually, he even says, the Lord, your God. He doesn't say, the Lord, my God. Hmm. Then no, it's a separation. But he wanted to be honored. And I find it very interesting that, well, the Lord honors those. And this is actually comes from Samuel, mm -hmm. the word to Eli. It mm -hmm. says, I will honor those who honor me. Mm -hmm. So, for our own selves, we, we have to check ourselves. Everybody wants to be honored. They want to be respected. They want to be, right? They want those things in their lives. But they come from the Lord. The Lord gives us honor, gives us favor. He does all those things. He is, as we pointed out repeatedly, He establishes us. Yes. He honors those who honor Him. Mm -hmm. So, 
but this is what it looks like when we don't honor the Lord, but choose to try to snatch honor for ourselves, snatch a, a place, a position, and then try to establish ourselves under that. Mm-hmm. It gets torn from us, right? That's exactly what he says. You've rejected the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from being king. And then he says further in verse 28, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and given it to someone else. Mm-hmm. Right, a neighbor who's better than you, he says, mm-hmm. in this uh, translation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also he says the Lord's not going to change his mind. Why? Because he gave Saul repeated chances mm-hmm. to come back in. But Saul chose not to change his mind. Mm-hmm. So why should the Lord change his mind? Yeah. It's sad. Absolutely it's sad. But again, it's, a, it's an example for us to learn from. Are we really putting, are we truly putting the Lord in his place in our lives? Checking ourselves, honoring him. Not just with words, not just with actions, right? Because you see here in verse 31, Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. But how can you worship something, uh, and by something I mean the Lord, when you've, you're, you just confessed, it's the Lord your God, not mine, it's, it's not personal to me. Or even our. Exactly. Taking that right? as well. Right? Denoting that there's a separation. So this is just the appearances. Sadly. It's, it's sad, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But this is what Saul chose. So it was the appearance of doing what was right. Mm-hmm. The appearance of actually worshiping the Lord. Mm-hmm. But really it's just lip service. Because you see through his actions there was no no intention to worship the Lord in spirit or in truth. He might not even known what that was at that point. Like, you Who knows? Know. Um, right, really quickly before we get out of here today, um, I want to talk about verses 22, 23. Um, well, we also have one more section to cover because we're not quite done the chapter. Oh, but, okay. But yes, continue, please. Um, so Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice mm-hmm. and to heed than that of ram- than that than the fat of ram. Sorry, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has also rejected you from being king. Now, I always like to look at. Okay, we can always go wrong, 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 wrong. Don't, 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 don't. We shouldn't do this, but. What is the other side of that? It's very clear. This is the character of God. We see Jesus say this all the time. Mm-hmm. If you love me, what? Do what I ask you to do. That's keep it. my commandments. He doesn't need us to add to it. He doesn't need us to take away from it. What he tells us is sufficient. Do it. And what the Holy Spirit ministers is mm-hmm. right. Just do what he said. His written word, take it. Do it. Believe God and, and move forward. But he just he wants our heart. Right? So... Yes. You can say, if I'm obeying the Lord, then I know where I stand with him, right? Yes. You can have confidence. First uh, John talks about us having confidence in our prayer. Confidence if we do the things that are pleasing to him, we know that he hears us. So here's how you put that in perspective. Lord, what I'm seeing in your word, I'm putting into practice, and I'm not pushing you out of it and saying, don't minister to me, Holy Spirit. I just read this, this on the paper, and that's all. 
but you're letting the revelation of the Holy Spirit move on the inside of you and you're obeying, you're obeying what God tells you to do. If he says, hey, give this to so-and-so or don't eat that today <laughs> or be obedient as you're obeying those things, you can expect good in your life, right? You can expect to have more revelation from the Lord. You can expect Jesus to reveal himself to you, as in, I'm not talking about visions and things of that nature, but I'm talking about in your inward man, in your relationship with him, making known to you his will and his presence, and that of the Father and the Holy Spirit as well. You can expect that you will not find yourself in rebellion. If I'm doing what God asked me to do, then I'm not in rebellion. And you can have that confidence in your standing with him. And it's very simple when you think about it in those terms. When you pull out a list of, I'm not supposed to do these things, it can look tedious to the natural mind. But when you go, okay, all I have to do is keep, keep your commandment, which are what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And in Romans, it tells us why this works, why these, this fulfills the commandment of the law. And the prophets. To love your neighbor as yourself fulfills the law because love does no harm to a neighbor. Yes. That's very simple. Love the Lord your God. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, right? You shall have no other gods before me, etc., etc. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus came and simplified it <laughs> and explained it to them in that capacity. It's like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. So you see it here. You see it echoed throughout God's word. Just do what I ask you to do. Love your neighbor as yourself and reverse the order. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because when you do that, you won't want to rebel against him. Absolutely. You won't want to disappoint him. And for, for those that are listening in, there's more that we touch on the subject than uh, we have teachings on our our podcast, uh, Obedience is Faith in Action. There's mm -hmm. two parts. That's a, there's, there's more detail and more discussion on this section of, of Scripture. Mm -hmm. um, so just for everyone's essay, check those out. And, um, yeah. yeah. And I love verse 29. To you. Yes. I love verse 29, the strength of Israel. I'm like, ooh! Mm -hmm. I love to hear God's names. I love to hear yes. who he is. And that he will not lie. He does not lie. It's impossible that he lies. He gives us grace and he gives us chances, but he does not lie. So. He's not a man that he should lie. Mm -hmm. it's one, he's not a man that he should relent. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Amen. All right. Well, someone read verses 32 through the end of the chapter, please. Okay, let's go ahead and read that for us, darling. Then Samuel said, Bring Agag, king of the Amalekites, here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Saul hacked, Samuel sorry, hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gagal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went to his house in Gibeah of Saul. Mm -hmm. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Mm -hmm. That sounds like before the flood. <laughs> he regretted that he had made man on the earth. 
Yeah. Um, As yeah. we were talking earlier, it's disappointing when we pour into people. Our people that the Lord has placed under our care, and they choose to to reject what's being poured into them, which is the Lord, uh, and choose to reject walk in His ways. It is. It's sad. It's disappointing because you know that the Lord only intended and wanted them to have experience His best, yes. the, the fullness of the Lord in their lives, and they they've shunned it, turned it away, or turned away from it, mm-hmm. um, or rejected it. So Samuel clearly, you know, recognized, understood what the Lord was was doing here, and. And how can two walk together unless they agree? Yes. So there comes a point where people are going to continue to reject what you're pouring into them. Why are we going to continue to pour in? Right? But it goes into even greater than that. Did the Lord say to do it? Do what the Lord says to do. Say what he says to say. Do what he says to do. Only. So you can see here that the Lord kind of released Samuel from this this obligation of pouring in to Saul anymore. Yes. Because he had rejected the Lord. So there, there was no point in continuing the, the mentorship, the guidance. This is Saul who clearly at this point was operating in a, I know it, I've got it. You can't teach me or tell me anything. And even if you do, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. It makes it impossible to learn. Mm-hmm. I can't teach you what you think you already know. Mm-hmm. So there's there's no point. Mm-hmm. After it's demonstrated multiple, there's no point in continuing to attempt it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't bring forth life in our lives, approaching life in that mindset. Clearly, it brings or death or rejection and right? it's in it's the sin nature so we all should pay attention and be mindful of that in our own lives but then I also find interesting that Samuel had to complete the thing that the Lord had assigned to Saul mm-hmm. it was still going to be fulfilled it was still going to to bring to happen in its, in its entirety because the Lord decreed it he is, decreed a thing he was going to establish it mm-hmm. but there's a difference and we've had it, you and I so we've had this discussion multiple times how Saul who's you know essentially trained in warfare right fighting and all this I'm not saying that was his nature exactly but he was on the battlefield mm-hmm. Samuel not so much Mm-mm. So you have someone that is skilled in combat, refused to do the job, and now as a result you see Samuel, unskilled, hacking an individual up. Hacking. That's hacking like at, right? Just unskilled. Chopping just repeatedly with a knife. Randomly. It's not like a running them through or cutting their throat or something that's quick. He chopped at him. With a sword that was no, <laughs> that's what happening me. what it is. You think about somebody hacking a bush down, they're chopping at it. You know, it takes time for it to get through the, the limb. That, 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 
that's what he did. He, I mean, that, that's it's gruesome. Yes. yes. And long and his poor little arms probably <laughs> hurt. <laughs> it's not yeah, he's, well, at this point he's, he's, he's aged, not, right? He's yeah. not a spring chicken as it were, right? He's not young. And the sword's probably heavy. You know, uh, we know later David picked up the armor that Saul carried because Saul was taller than everybody by at least a head. Head and shoulders, yeah. In in Israel. So he's a big guy. And so he's going to be able to wield something. And, you know, the, the weight has to be good enough to get the job done, but also agile in the person's hand. So it's built for a, a tall man, huge guy, but not a giant, but he's still you know, got some size on them, and then putting that in the hands of somebody that doesn't know swords or touch them that plus is he's older. in combat. Yeah, that's... It's like when you see me pick up something that belongs to Dad, you guys are like, ah, put that down, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> that's not for you. So. So, uh, and I bring that up to say this, right? There's, there's a plan, a purpose for each and every one. Right? I'm not saying it's, it's to go out and eliminate people no but the lord chooses who he chooses for for the task that he has for them right there's a plan a purpose a calling on your life there's a reason the lord chose you specifically for that task in the place where he would send you to to do it it's not hacking people up okay no it's not it's not that's not what we're saying okay i just want to put that out there right make a plane (laughs) Right, but there's a reason that he chose you. Can the job be done by someone else? Yeah, clearly. Right, that's what we see here. Yes. But it doesn't mean it's going to be as smooth. It'll still get done, sure. It'll still bring forth fruit, as the Lord intended for it to. There's still a difference. There's still a difference. Still a difference. So just be obedient to what the Lord has, has for you. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing that I want to leave in your thoughts. Although God knew exactly where Saul would end up, how I mean, there's nothing is a surprise to the Lord. He declares the end from the beginning. He knows all things. He didn't take away his chance. He still gave him opportunity and was patient with him. Now, ponder this. It's easy to be looking on this side and go, well, why didn't he just skip, skip that and go, you know, like not even go this way or do away with that sooner? But if God judges Saul that way, he has to judge me that way. Absolutely. And I surely need the patience of the Lord. Amen. If, if he cut Saul off the first time he did something wrong, then he'd have to cut me off the first time I did something wrong. And I would not be sitting here before you today. I would have been Man. dead and gone long, long ago. ago. And then likewise, you wouldn't be our children. <laughs> I would have been dead and gone. So that's why he gives people chances. Even when they turn out wickedly, that's why he gives them an opportunity. Because if he doesn't give them a chance, he can't give you a chance. That would make him a respecter of persons. That would make him unjust, and he is not an unjust God. No, he is not. And he is not a respecter of persons. And you can carry that characteristic about God concerning everything. Why does he let these people exist? They get a chance, just like you do. 
Because if he cuts them off, he's got to cut you off. But since you came in for grace, it still has to be offered to them as well. Because he has offered it to everyone. Whether they take it or not is up to them. But God is who he said he is. He's faithful and just. Who wants to close us out in prayer? I do. All right. Thank you, Layla. Lord, I thank you for today and for your word, Lord, and that you're a good God, Lord, and that you give us multiple chances to come back to you, Lord, and that you don't cut us off. And, Lord, I just ask that you'll continue to pour out your grace and your mercy upon your people, Lord, and continue to bless them, Lord, and the things that they do, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everybody have a wonderful day. God, God bless you. you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.